Hey now, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. I'm really excited today to have a great conversation. Basically, those of you who are listening, those of you who are watching, you're going to just be a fly on the wall with two guys talking about building relationship-based businesses because my guest today is Jay McAllister. He's the founder of Paragon Tech. He, he has a great, a really uh, outstanding business that helps professional services firms, particularly lawyers, with their technology. But I don't want you to think of Jay as a technology-based business. I want you to think of Jay and his company as a relationship-based business. And the power of our conversation today is going to be about relationships and about how recognizing the value those relationships provide, especially to a, a particular segment of the market, can help you regardless of what your business is, regardless of how you think about your business. I think you're going to have a paradigm shift. I think you're going to you're going to shift the way you think about what you do after our conversation. So please join me in welcoming Jay McAllister to the Inside BS Show. Jay, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks, Dave, for having me. This is going to be awesome. I am amped up. You're the only guy who can... It's 7 o'clock here in Chicago AM. So this has been a... I wanted you to get a full, authentic version of me. There's no coffee. There's nothing in my system. The only thing coursing through my veins is excitement and optimism. So I, I, I so today. appreciate that, and I, I welcome you, and I thank you for being here. You know, before right before we started this, we're we're about twenty minutes behind because I had a technology issue. Actually, it was a it was a human error issue with my technology. So Jay's been very kind, very patient with me as I stumble and bumble through this as if it's the first time I've ever done this. Jay, talk about your, you know, if we go to your your uh, LinkedIn profile, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes to your LinkedIn profile. If we go to your LinkedIn profile, like the first line of your LinkedIn profile says, at 19, I figured out how I can help lawyers save time and make more money. And the two things that jump out at me from just that line that you've written in your profile is it's focused on delivering value to your client and it has something provocative right at the beginning that you figured out that this was your audience this was the these were the people that you wanted to help and you figured it out at 19 so talk about the value you provide the value your firm provides and then help people understand how important it is to know specifically who you can help so you touched on a couple great points there. I want to make sure I address all of them because there's a lot of context and nuance there. One of the things you mentioned is the fact that I'm specifically speaking to one audience, one group of, of people. And right off the bat, you're actually employing one of my, if we, if we kind of focus on the relationship building aspect of business, because of course, business does not happen unless relationships exist. Relationships are the fuel that creates the momentum for business to take place. Now, right off the bat, what you've done is you've looked at my LinkedIn profile, and by the way, for your audience, this is something that I think is an absolutely killer technique to build rapport in the quickest time frame possible. You found out what my value system is. What you'll find is that back in the day, LinkedIn, when it was designed, it was essentially an electronic, you know, uh, an electronic resume. Now LinkedIn is, has evolved into this social platform where people can post interviews, podcasts, such as this one today, but it still retains the essence of in someone's profile line, they're typically telling you what's important to them. I've looked at you know, sales professionals where they'll mention, you know, in my, in my career, I've been able to generate X amount of dollars and increase my company's profitability by X percent. That's what's important to them. So when you're looking for a reason from a marketing, from a from an, a cold outreach standpoint, just relationship building standpoint, there's your answer right there, right in that profile line. Now you know what's important to that person. They're explaining to you exactly what their value system is. Now the reason why I think it's important to specifically focus on one audience, you know, speaking exactly to, to, to my lawyer friends out there, is it gives you so much depth and it instantly starts to build credibility. This is not a shotgun approach where 
This is something I think I can help any and everyone with. I'm specifically targeting a unique subset of individuals who have a unique issue, and I think I offer a unique perspective in order to resolve that issue. So that's really why I'm focusing on that one audience there. There's, I have a good friend of mine, his name is Joe Martin. And he takes that, I think Joe may have been on the show in the past, if he's not, let's, let's go ahead and make sure we get Joe in, in a future episode. And he has an even more unique perspective where he takes that concept and he essentially designs his entire marketing efforts around marketing to one individual. So not lawyers, not even personal injury lawyers, but to Bob, the, the, uh, the, you know, the personal injury lawyer at X firm who's 40 years old, who lives in Highland Park, Chicago, and he really gets extremely narrow because what, what it does is builds empathy for your audience. And when you have the ability, the nuance to understand the kind of issues that your audience faces, and you have the empathy to understand the circumstances around that. Hey, Joe's, he's, you know, he's, he's a father. He's 40 years old. He's got kids who just, they just started e-learning and he's angry at home because he wants to be able to work, but instead of working, he's, he's setting up his kids with breakfast, right? He's got kids running around the house that are angry. So why would he want to open up your email? So it just builds empathy, builds credibility, and now you can insert that into your messaging to be more impactful and more relevant to your audience. I love the idea of making making your message as specific and as focused as possible. And we see really good business development folks doing this with tools like Loom Video now. And, there, and there's a whole host of others where you can make a specific video for one person. The thing that jumps out at me is everybody thinks their business is special. Everybody, well, everybody thinks they're special, right? Their mothers told them when they were growing up, you're special and they believed it. And everybody thinks their business is special, their business is unique, their business is different. So if Jay McAllister is talking to a law firm about you know, their, their technology solutions and XYZ company is talking to the same law firm, but XYZ company in all of their material talks about, you know, how they've helped uh, UPS or how they've helped, uh, you know, XYZ jewelry company and how they helped and all their case studies are across seven different industries. X, they're thinking to themselves, hey, listen, we show the breadth of what we're doing, but all the law firm is thinking is, XYZ company doesn't get me, Jay gets me. Jay gets me because he's worked with other lawyers or he's worked with other trust and estates lawyers or he's worked with other real estate lawyers or he's worked with other trust and estates lawyers in the Chicago area, right? We all want to be with people who we know we like, we trust, people who are like us. How do you demonstrate that? Well, the first way to demonstrate that is by, by showing that you speak the same language as other people. Jay, how did you figure this out? What, what led you to say, listen, you know, I'm going to talk specifically to people in the legal profession and show that I get them? How did you figure that out? So growing up, I was pretty much a, a technologist from the moment I could open my eyes and put my hands on a remote controller. I remember, you know, growing up, I actually took apart our family's, you know, TV remote. And, uh, you know, I didn't say I necessarily put it back together successfully, but the critical exercise was there was understanding that complex items, objects, technology, artifacts, so to speak, that at the end of the day, it's just a collection of simpler pieces that all come together to create this functionality that we're looking for. That goes from anything from a computer to a phone to a rocket ship. I mean, everything that we use it, that's technology-based is made up of several discrete components that come together and create the, the, the desired outcome, the device itself. So, you know, for me, I was always the person my friends would go to for any kind of technical issues they had. We, you know, most of my group of friends, we were big gamers growing up. So playing video games, essentially you're using an electronics. Something's going to happen where something doesn't work properly or there's some type of issue. And my friends would come to me to troubleshoot and help them, support them. Well, I found out a way to, we would all, this is probably back in I think third, third grade. We were big at, this is when Pokemon was just becoming huge. And we all, back then, our social currency was the amount of Pokemon that we had in this game. So I found out just through tinkering around that I was able to modify the code on this game to allow me to obtain more Pokemon quicker, faster. With, you know, it gave me an unfair advantage. Well, my friends saw this 
And of course, naturally, they wanted to do the same thing for themselves in their game. And the light bulb moment for me was when one of my friends came to me and he's like, hey, I see what you've done and I would like to have the same amount of Pokemon as you have. Can you help me out? And I'll pay you. So it wasn't my idea, but him saying that, he doesn't really, I need to reach out to him one day. His name is Marcus Burden. I need to reach out and be like, hey man, I'm an entrepreneur because of you. <laughs> That's the light bulb moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, having a specific skill set and technology is valuable to people. And if you can apply that skill set to their value system, something that's important to them, they'll be willing to part with their own money in order to make that happen. So that theme continued to happen. I'm in high school now, I was taking a 3D modeling class. One of the teachers, when I took this class, I was a little bit beyond the level of the class, which was actually really, really a sad thing because I thought I was taking this class because I was like, finally, I can take a class that's, that I'll be actually interested in. I was, I was always kind of a, a, a subpar academic, you know, so I'm like, great, computer classes, 3D modeling, this is great. And the teacher, you know, by the time we get to around week one or two, I'm realizing, okay, this is, this is going to be very basic. He gives us the rubric for the rest of the, or the syllabus for the rest of the semester. It's basic. You know, I've already done most of the projects that we were in, doing in that class. So I realized, well, okay, I'm going to just start working on my own projects. I had access to this really powerful computer at school that I didn't have at home. So I remember making this. It was a simulation of a flag waving in the wind and there was like projectiles I was throwing at the flag and then the flag was actually ripping in real time with, with the simulation. And the teacher looked over and saw it while he was teaching one day. And he goes, Jay, whatever you have on your screen, shut it down and stay after class to talk to me. So I'm like, come on, you know, Dave, this is, this is something that was a common theme for me growing up. I'm like, oh great, I'm in trouble. You know, this is going to be resulting in another detention. But what happened is that when I stayed after class, he had me open up my screen to, to what I was working on during the class. And he told me, this is amazing. How did you learn how to do this? And, and, and he liked the project so much so that he's like, do you have any other work? So I started showing him other work that I was doing and I'm designing cars and making the wheels and designing different, you know, wheel spoke designs. And he's like, okay, our syllabus, we're not going to be doing anything near this, but this is this is the cool stuff that I think the class will like. And to be honest, I like it, and I'd like to learn from you. Can you stay after class every day after after class, and teach me how to make these projects that you've created, and then I'll just turn this into the syllabus for the class. And I remember my friend Marcus Burden back from third grade. I said, "Great, I can definitely do that. And if you pay me, that'll really make it easy for me to say yes." So here I am in. I think now this is my junior year in high school. His teacher has agreed to pay me 20 bucks every class to teach him how to uh, 3D model and, and create the syllabus. So this was the defining moments that, that I experienced growing up that made me realize that the technology skill set that I, that, I, uh, that I had would allow me to become impactful in the business world. All right. So talk to me about your your current approach to growing your business because you're uh, you have a great value proposition it's recognized by uh, people in the industry that you're focused on how do you leverage relationships or how do you uh, how, how have you adapted your uh, your you know you have a you have a great personality you're you're charismatic you're an outgoing guy how do you leverage that to create new relationships and how do, how do the relationships help you grow your business yeah, I think that's a multifaceted question. The first part is realizing that time is all of our most valuable commodity. Relationships are second most valuable. There is no substitute for having a robust roster of individuals who can help you in your efforts to push the needle. You know, in whatever aspect of life that may be, whether it be personally, whether it be professionally, career-driven, whatever it may be, it is always the more efficient way to get anything done to is to the, the more efficient way to get everything anything done is to leverage your network and the people around you to make that happen sure you can be a one one man band sure you, you we all have incredible willpower and drive and we can get things done but it becomes that much easier when you leverage others around you so just embracing that idea the other thing is that and i find that a lot of us you know young people get this wrong quite often you know i'm 27 years old I'm, I'm now in my ninth year of business and there is this ideology that's pushed that 
we all need to come to the table as completed versions of ourselves. You know, coming to the table in our final form. I know all there is to know. I'm as professional as I ever could be. I have all of the answers that I need to serve my clients and you. And that's absolutely the wrong approach. Because when you do that, what you're showing others is that you have now closed off your mindset to any external information that could enhance and make you a better version of yourself. So what I've done, and I think what's really lent itself well to me is by just coming to the table authentically. You know, I am a young entrepreneur. I do believe to my core that I have, you know, just through mentors and individuals that I've surrounded myself with, you know, I've amassed a lot of great information that not only helps me be a more effective leader, but also that helps me be more relevant and solve the challenges that my clients face to a, to a greater degree. But by coming to the table as a student, willing to learn from anyone, it just lends itself, you know, people naturally, they, they like to feel that they can impart something on someone that will help them in their pursuits. And coming to the table as a student, no matter what age, no matter what profession you're in, and being open to the fact that there's information out there that you do not yet have, creates this incredible dynamic where people want to help you genuinely. And that's really what's fueled my growth, is just having great mentors. I mean, I have an incredible roster of individuals who have run organizations, sold organizations, you know, merged firms with other organizations, uh, handled HR issues you know, with the pandemic. How are they handling their staffing or their remote work from home policies? All these individuals who I now have access to to be able to pick their brain on some concepts and topics that alone would, would just take me way too long to solve. You know, it doesn't make sense to try and reinvent the wheel. So it becomes really important to in, in, the, in the pursuit of increasing my own professional development and navigating through these waters to have relationships that are strong and withstand the test of time. And you're you're somebody who I you know I've 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 met you only a couple of times, but I can tell you're somebody who's constantly looking for the next big thing he can learn, right? So here's what I want you to do: I want you to help people understand the the benefits of a of a growth mindset, of a learning mindset, and I want you to share how that has helped you generate the success you've had so far in your business and in your career. And I want you to I want you to help people with that. But first, I want to let folks know that our show today is brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. This show and every other show, they're the foundation for what we're doing here on the Inside BS Show. They are a partner of ours, and Sandrowski Corporate Advisors has provided expert client service to their client base all over the United States for over 35 years. They focus on helping people with tax planning and consulting, family office advisory, dispute advisory, business valuation, litigation support, forensic accounting, and risk management. If you've listened to the show for any length of time, you've heard me talk about some of the different services Sandrowski Corporate Advisors provides, but one of the things I think that that is most valuable, and it is most valuable to the people that Jay and I serve most often, Lawyers and family law attorneys in particular, when you have a thorny family law situation and you need to really dig into what the person on the other side has for assets or you want to look at the personal or business financial statements in a really difficult, acrimonious family law situation, you need a forensic accountant that can dig into these numbers. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors and their team have been doing this for years and years and years. You've heard me talk about how Sandrowski helps businesses and how they position businesses for sale and how they can reduce tax exposure. Well, they have an equal amount of expertise in doing the forensic accounting to uncover the deep assets that may be hidden or that people may want to hide or not have discovered in any litigation situation, particularly family law. So if you're a family law attorney and you're listening to this and you want help digging into the financial information of the opposing party, you got to reach out to Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. They work all over the United States. I just made a connection to the Sandrowski team from a lawyer in Maryland to help them with a particularly difficult case. So reach out to Sandrowski by calling 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. We're also brought to you by my Revenue Roadmap Guide. So if you're a professional and you want to deepen 
your business relationships. I've got the business model for you. It's absolutely free. It's my gift to you for watching, for listening to the Inside BS Show. All you need to do is go to revenueroadmapguide.com, revenueroadmapguide.com. Enter your contact info there. You can download my free business development plan and customize it for you and your firm. It's my way to say thank you for being a listener, for being a viewer of the show. Okay, Jay, in case you forgot, I wanted to uh, focus in specifically on the value that you provide to folks through relationship-based uh, business development and how you discovered this and, you know, what what that the foundation of that really looks like. So help folks understand how you discovered this and, and why it's so why it's so important. Sure. So, you know, like you mentioned earlier in the show on my LinkedIn, I talked about understanding and discovering at the age of 19 how to enhance the legal experience in those various aspects create more efficiency where lawyers can work less but also hey they don't want to take a pay cut so how do we increase their revenue so that they can actually spend time seeing their son's little league baseball game and spending time with their spouse right these basic things that we all take for granted but let's face it when you're a lawyer you're it's a busy profession and there's always something new to handle so what i realized so I, when i started my company i was a generalist you know, I even, I even, uh, I learned this word from one of my mentors that I thought was really fancy, which is industry agnostic. And I would, I would, I would tout this word as if it were some, some trophy, some achievement, right? We have such a breadth of services and range. And what I realized over time is that it was actually diluting my messaging. You know, by not being specific to, and and understanding the unique challenges that my that one single profession faced. Really, it made me just another IT vendor out there. And there, this is an extremely commoditized industry. There's thousands of IT companies out there. So what I realized is I had to take a deep look at my current roster of clients. At the time, we had about six law firms. We had about 20 clients total. Six of them were law firms. I realized that, one, those clients were the most difficult clients to initially engage with. I mean, there's barriers to entry there. Lawyers are very cautious. They're very risk averse. So whenever they're looking to potentially partner with a new IT provider or to be honest, any kind of provider for any services or products, that sales cycle is typically very long. It's a lengthy sales process. So that's one of the things that, that, that uh, made me initially interested in potentially targeting this, this industry. The other thing is that one, just by, from a critical mass standpoint, we had started to gain a unique perspective. We had seen implementations of practice management systems within these firms. We had seen ones that worked well. We had seen ones that didn't quite work as well. We had seen some of the issues and roadblocks that they were facing with how do we move data from one to another. We saw that, okay, this law firm has three separate systems and they're entering data in essentially three separate times just to make sure the data was synced across all their systems. So we started to gain some insight here and start to build a repository of perspective and this allowed us to be more effective at not only building credibility but being able to say hey mr attorney you know i don't know what practice management system you're using but do you ever find that that it's difficult to keep track of your the time you're spending on your individual matters oh, yeah you know i do do you find that typically if there was a matter that you worked on for maybe three hours maybe two because you, you lost track of time do you find that you typically being an ethical lawyer would err on the side of caution and you, two hours would wind up being entered into your time and billing system. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, is that is that okay with you? I mean, you just lost an hour billable time there potentially. Is, you know, you figure you do that one time per day, do that, you know, every day, five times a week. I mean, now you've lost five hours of billable time. You know, here in Chicago, you know, bill, average billable rate, you're talking 350, 500, six sometimes. You know, at small mid firms, I mean, this is significant money we're talking about. So again, by asking these questions, it allowed me to build credibility really quickly by, you know, coming across in an authentic way, just inviting my prospective clients and, and, and referral partners into my life. I mean, you'll notice behind me that you'll see a drum set. You'll see a, this is a model of a Corvette. Here's my company logo here, a little bit of glare. So that one, you'll have to trust me that there's a, there's a logo there. <laughs> And you know, these are invitations into me and my value system. All of these objects have been intentionally placed here. I know Dave, sometimes you, and we're, we're both a part of a, a networking group. And I know you've seen me with uh, wearing a life vest sometimes. 
these things are very intentional. It's not that I forgot to do laundry and that was the only thing available for the day. <laughs> but these are intentional because what I want people to realize is that this is a, these are the things that are important to me. This is my value system. I want to invite you into my world. I don't want to present a, a duality. You know, they, this concept of the work-life balance is pushed. And I use air quotes because to be honest, I think it's absolutely nuts. I think that by pushing this psychosis where we should have a separate work persona from our home persona, I think that can be dangerous. And I think people can oftentimes see through the, the fact that you're not offering the authentic version of yourself and you create challenges for you to have to surmount. Instead of coming across, hey, this is me, this is my family, these are things that are important to me. I love Corvettes, you know, ask me about that, I'll tell you all about that. You know, the, this is important. So I realize that as far as relationship building goes, by offering an authentic view of yourself, understanding your the, the person's challenges that sits across from you, and the only way you can do that is by asking great questions and listening. There's no amount of talking that I can do to understand you and your value system. I have to really get to know you, dig deep, be afraid to go off script. You know, I've, I've noticed that a lot of these, you know, you'll get an email in your inbox that's from a referral partner of yours and it says, hey, I think you should meet Dave. You know, Dave and, Dave and yourself, I think there's synergies that you both can discuss together, right? We all get that email and sometimes you take that meeting based on feeling obligated to acquiesce your, your, you know, your friend or your referral partner's um, um, introduction, but sometimes you think that maybe there's something here. And typically what I found is individuals will have a script or a series of questions or an agenda, which is not a bad thing. But where it becomes a bad thing is if you're so stuck into that agenda that there's some major issue or major opportunity that that person discusses and you never peel back the layers of the onion there. You, you stay at surface level the entire time. Well, then you, you wind up not building that depth. And the depth is what really creates relationships. Exposing, being open, being vulnerable with individuals, you know, by exposing, um, you know, maybe traits about yourself. You know, self-deprecation is one of the best forms of create the best methods that you can use to create relationships effectively and in the shortest time span possible. Because by you exposing some of your weaknesses and the challenges that you face and that you struggle with, it just it brings humanity to the conversation, and that tends to elicit a response in a, of a similar nature from the person across from you. And this wonderful dynamic then ensues where you're both just existing in that moment, enjoying the conversation, knowing that it's authentic, you're learning about each other, and oftentimes it's more of a, of a genuine, enjoyable experience. You know, the, so if you want your money's worth, if you're listening, you're watching, you want your money's worth, what Jay just said right there, if you just took that piece and employed it, you would be far more successful in developing business, developing relationships. That point about self-deprecation, vulnerability. And I'll, you know, I'll share a couple of examples from my own personal life. We opened the show today and I told you how I fat fingered the button next to me and took my whole system down and, and Jay and I started 20 minutes later. I didn't have to tell you that, that, but I did that because it's a way for us to connect on a human level. Last night, I did an interview with someone right after dinner and my wife made this thing that had a ton of cayenne pepper in it. And I was like mealy mouth for the first 10 minutes of the conversation. And I stopped and I said, listen, I got this cayenne pepper taste in my mouth and it's absolutely killing me. Why do I do that? I did it because that humanity, that connection that we share immediately you, you know, if you're listening or you're watching, you feel a bond because who hasn't fat fingered something and screwed something up? that I learned that lesson myself, the, the way I learned it the, the best, I, you know, I had, I, had, I had skirted around that issue for, for years and I, you know, I tried to teach, I do a lot of work with lawyers and I tried to teach lawyers about vulnerability and, you know, litigators, uh, they're, you know, some of them are like Vladimir Putin, we must, we must show strength, the only way we win, show strength, right? But the thing, the truth of the matter is, if you wanna win people over, that vulnerability is key and the way I learned it is, Halfway through my career, uh, between the time I started and now, I discovered stand-up comedy. And stand-up comedy is brutal when you start. 
the thing I learned is you start with it with one of your best jokes, probably your best or your second best joke, but it's particularly valuable if you want to win the audience over. If that joke is about you, that first joke, if it's a self-deprecating joke, if you want to win the audience over, that's a killer way to do it. From that point on, you have them eating out of the palm of your hand. So the, the point that Jay made about self-deprecation is fantastic from a relationship development standpoint. Now, Jay, something else that, that you and I share in common, and you mentioned this is, and you, you mentioned it before we started recording, was that, that you meditate and you're, you know, you're connected kind of to your, to your spiritual self. Those of you, again, those of you out there who think you're, you know, you're the toughest person in the world, don't tune out. This is an important thing for you to understand. And you may not realize it now. Just absorb the information we're going to share in the next couple of minutes, and you'll think about it later on down the road in your career. Jay, talk about meditation. Talk about what it does for you. And tell folks how you discovered it in the first place. Yeah, well, first of all, I want to applaud you for doing so much in order to impress me and creating that issue for yourself to troubleshoot. I really... Yeah. I mean, I, let, me, I, let, me, let me get a sledgehammer and destroy my whole studio so Jay and I can have a better relationship. Absolutely. You know, that was an expensive <laughs> demonstration there. So I appreciate you doing that for me. Only the best for, for your guests on the Inside BS show. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I appreciate that. I mean, as far as meditation goes, this has become a huge part of me. And I'll, and I'll admit, I'm very early on in my journey. I started meditating as a result of the pandemic. Um, why? Because, well, at the time I was living with a girlfriend that yeah, required much meditation. You know, we, I learned to get, you know, I needed, really, I needed an excuse to be able to get away and, and just be quiet. You know, oh, hey, babe, I'm meditating. You know, oh, sorry. You know, one of those. And this is actually by, again, th this is another demonstration of the authentic relationship building. Yes, we all want business. We all want to increase our sales output. We all want those things. But by being authentic, You'll find that a lot of these nuggets that you never expected tend to come to fruition, and and they and, and they and these these experiences that you have, that you never could have planned for, become a reality. And one of them was that, in a in a in a, in a relationship building session, a, a Zoom meeting that I was having with with a with a potential prospect, she winded up mentioning. We talked about meditation. She winded up telling me about this app called Waking Up with Sam Harris. And this was the perfect kind of app for me for meditation because I am such a skeptic of essentially anything. You got to show me the data for me to have any kind of buy-in on it. And what she mentioned is that she had just finished a meditation session and she could assess based on our conversations that we've had in the past. Hey, Jay, I know you're a data-driven guy. You need examples. You need data to prove or disprove whatever it is that I'm proposing. And I think that meditation would be great for you. The thing is, there's a lot of you know meditative, meditative science and um, and mindfulness that doesn't necessarily, you know, it, a lot of these the, the benefits are intangible. They're not necessarily backed by science. It's just more so something that's experiential. You have to try it in order to to experience the benefits. But what she said is, there's this guy Sam Harris. He's actually a PhD neuroscientist. And he spent, I think, six, six or seven years, uh, I forget which country, Nepal or, or Tibet, I, I forget where he spent. But he spent time meditating, learning uh, with monks, learning their ways, and just ex being surrounded by it in that environment. So now what he has is that when he, with this app, it's, a, it's an app geared towards new individuals who are just getting into the meditative space. He backs everything he says with his neuroscience perspective. And then also he gives you the more spiritual, intangible perspective, and he melds those two together to give you a really compelling argument. And it's great for me to understand. And okay, so here's the here are the, the 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 scientific based factors of why this is effective, and this is what neuros triggers. This you know this is this is how the brain works, and the the endorphins that are released, and it all kind of makes sense at the end of the day. So I've just begun meditating. It's probably about, I guess I'm two years in now. And it's just become something I do at the beginning of my day. It sets me up for, it allows me to refocus, to, to gain clarity. Um, you know, I find so often, especially in this world where we're inundated with advertisements and, and ju just noise. I mean, there's just so much noise. It's hard to maintain focus if you don't intentionally take time to, 
it's almost like a budget for a business. You would never go, well, maybe I won't say never, but I probably would not advise that you go forth throughout your fiscal year without a solid financial plan in place. All a budget is, is taking intentional time to understand and determine what are the most important things that you want to get done and then assigning dollars towards those things. That's all a budget is. So meditating is essentially your body's own budget. You're determining, okay, what am I focused on this year, this quarter, this week, just today? What are the most important things that I need to get done? What do I want to put time and energy behind? And realizing that the other things, the, the incidental things that come up, staying focused on the goal. Because if you don't focus on what you want, it's easy for as the day progresses and develops for you to get pulled in so many other directions, get that shiny object syndrome, and wind up getting to the end of the day realizing, you know what? There was actually something that was more important that I should have been doing, but since I wasn't focused on that, I let the incidental uh, things take precedence. Yeah, I, I love I love how you described it there because that's exactly what meditation does for me. So my kind of uh, stumbling on meditation was again, you know, hanging the best. By the by, by the way, the best part of doing stand up comedy is hanging out with our other comics. So. I explored stand-up because I was, part of my business was I was a professional speaker, and I thought to myself, I need a challenge, and I want to be more present in the room while I'm speaking. I had done it for, at that point, I had done it for 16 years, and I felt like, I felt like I was giving great value, but I felt like I wasn't present when I was delivering speeches, so I said, look, to be great at stand-up, you have to be present in the room. You have to feel the audience's energy. You have to work off of that energy. So I'm going to try this to learn how to do it. And anybody, when they first start, most people, it's a disaster. You don't know how to write a joke. You don't know how to deliver a joke. And it can be a brutal feeling when you're up on stage. So I've said to some of the comics who I was hanging out with who were really good, I said, how do you, I, you know, I notice your energy on stage. You're very relaxed. You're feeding off of the audience. How did you come to, to be that way? And they told me about a specific type of meditation called Transcendental Meditation or TM. And they said, look, go, go on YouTube. And some of them sent me a couple of links. They texted me a few links. Watch Jerry Seinfeld talk about it. Watch Russell Brand talk about it. And it turns out Howard Stern. There's a, there a whole host of people who are, you know, who are successful in comedy, in show business, who are doing this. Let them tell you the benefits that they receive, and then I'll introduce you to somebody who can teach you how to do this. So I watched, I'm a, I'm a big education guy. I read books, I, I watch educational videos. So I watched maybe 50 videos of different people talking about transcendental meditation. And they all talked about the benefits, right? Good sales. They talked about the benefits, but they didn't talk specifically about the process. So then I went and I learned how to do it. And Jay, it's so, it's so freaking simple. You know, and it's 20 minutes. I do it 20 minutes in the morning, first thing in the morning, and then I do it 20 minutes kind of toward the middle to end of my day. And all it does is, if, if look, it does everything that you said. Meditation, there, there are multiple different kinds, but it changes the chemistry in your brain. Uh, and there are all sorts of studies that prove this. But even if you don't believe those studies, there's got to be a benefit to taking 20 minutes and just sitting quietly and not focusing on the thousand things you have to do, but focusing on one thing, whether it's in TM, we use what's called a mantra. In other forms of meditation, they use breathing. There's gotta be a benefit to just sitting for 20 minutes and clearing your head or letting letting the process clear your head. It is It is probably one of the most powerful things I've discovered in my business career, but it also helps in my personal life because it allows me to be more present in everything I do. Look, a 30-minute conversation with you where I'm focused on you and hearing your story would normally be difficult for me because I got a hundred things on my list that I got to do. But what meditation does, what TM does, is it allows me to really slow down and focus on what's important. So to bring this full circle, in comedy, the most important thing is to slow down and be in the room so that when you're when you're delivering the joke that you're delivering, you can tag onto it or you can add more value to the audience based on the energy that you're feeling. 
and that's what meditation does for me and that's why that's why it's so important and it's it's so valuable to anybody who's involved in business so the gift that we're going to give to you right now is go to youtube and look up the different types of meditation transcendental meditation mindfulness and watch people tell you about the benefits of it and then explore it on your own. Even if you never do anything with it, gain an understanding for how it could potentially add value to your life. All right, Jay, speaking of adding value, tell us about the services you provide to law firms that add so much value to them. What, you know, because we talk about technology and technology is a big umbrella. What specifically do you do that helps law firms? What I do is every engagement that we operate in this is always, again, that relationship-based approach. And I feel like this, this word has been so misused and you know, the value has been diminished from the, from, the, from the true essence of what it is. Relationship-based approach for me means, as a partner of my company, you now have entered into a family where I'm looking to make strategic introductions for you that not only will create business opportunities for you, but at the end of the day will create the ability for you to gain additional clients and increase your sphere of influence through the individuals that I introduce you to. So that's, that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, a lot, it's, it's in my space, I find in the IT world, it's difficult to, um, I should say it's infrequent that you come across someone who understands not only technology, which is a big part of it, but also understands business outcomes. And at the end of the day, I understand that at the, at, at the end of the day, what I understand is that each of my clients they wake up in the morning and they face a similar challenge that I face as, a, as the operator, as the practitioner of, of a business, which is how am I going to get my next engagement? How am I going to pay my people? And how am I going to ensure that this year is a better year than last year? It's the same problem we face. So I have that goal in mind. We have to facilitate and support that through technology, but also there's other aspects where I can help. And it's always about building and strengthening their relationships. That's one. Now, in a more pragmatic sense, essentially what we do is everything is focused upon two aspects, either increasing efficiency or generating uh, higher revenues slash profitability for the firm. Every recommendation we make is we weigh it against those options, those two items. If it doesn't increase the efficiency or create additional revenue, we would not suggest a change be made. We're not just looking for quality of life improvements. We're looking for things that will drive the business outcomes that our clients desire. And the way we find that out is by going through a very rigorous assessment where we'll sit with the client and a couple members of their team and we'll talk through their business outcomes. We'll talk through their three-year strategic plan. We'll find out what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And then we take those things. This is where our value comes in. We pair those business outcomes to technologies. So things like practice management system selection. It's a big area that law firms are, are embarking on, especially given that the pandemic has caused more work to be done from home. So law firms around the country are now realizing that we need a system that we can track our cases, track the time that we're spending on them, uh, keep track of our new leads and referrals, collect revenues, basically all the back office and, uh, and, and, and activities and items that need to happen in order to make sure a law firm is successful. We also need to establish accountability between the people working in the system. We have people working from home. We want to make sure that our lawyers are billing and that our support staff are getting their critical components done so that we can, so that we can produce our work product. So we handle, we help law firms pick the right practice management system. There are over 160, I think the last time we checked, practice management wow. systems. Wow, they I had all, no idea, holy they, cow. All have their benefits, all have their disadvantages. So it can be a staggering, endeavor in trying to select the best platform. And what we wind up finding out is that law firms are not typically technologists. The individuals within, within them are not technologists. Even if they have an in-house IT provider, they're not well-versed in this world of practice management systems. So a lot of times they wind up making the wrong choice, picking a practice management system that they thought operated in one way, only to spend the time and the lengthy, the, 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 the money and the lengthy amount of time in the onboarding to find out there's some critical component that they need in order to accomplish their business outcomes that the software doesn't do. At that stage, they're left with two options, either live with it or discard the entire project and start from scratch. We've seen that happen too many times. So helping them choose practice management softwares, helping them automate key functions, accounting, you know, trust accounting, reconciliations, 
How do we handle collections and automate that process so law firms are not having to spend their attorney and their support staff's time chasing the money? We shouldn't chase the money. Let the computer do that for you because guess what? The computer can work around the clock. It doesn't need PTO and it doesn't get sick. So you should let the computer chase the money. Co automate that collections process so that now you have created your own money printing machine where in your sleep money is coming into the firm. So we help individual attorneys become more profitable so they can bill more, they can make that partner level. And for managing partners, at the end of the day, the revenue and the profitability of the firm is increasing. So there's a net effect of everyone wins. And that's the kind of things that we do using technology. On the back end of that, we have to make sure now we've brought all of this great functionality to this firm. They're able to work remotely, they're billing more, their lawyers are working less than they were before. Well, now we have to secure that. So cybersecurity becomes paramount, putting the right controls in place. So we have a cybersecurity assessment that we run with each firm that we work with. And that assessment, the entire goal is to find out, first of all, what level of cybersecurity controls are even necessary, because not every company has the same needs. Some have higher, some have lower. We need to know where you sit so that way we can recommend an appropriate solution that isn't overblown, but also you don't want something that underdelivers either. So all of those things together are kind of the breadth of, of, of the, the space that we work within, but it's all geared towards enhancing that legal experience and making law firms more profitable and more efficient. All right, Jay, that was a great description. Thanks. And now, where are these law firms located that you work with? Is it just in Chicago or can you work with firms anywhere in the U.S.? You know, one of the, the pandemic has been a really interesting event. And the reason I say interesting is because there have been so many businesses that have experienced substantial growth. There have been businesses that unfortunately have not been able to weather the storm. Now, what I will say, one of the benefits of the pandemic, as bad as it may be, is that businesses are now, and I would imagine, Dave, you've probably experienced this as well. Probably some of your viewership has experienced the same thing. Businesses around the country are now more comfortable working with organizations outside of their main geographic zone. You know, we, we just partnered with a law firm in Utah. It's a family law firm that we're helping to introduce some of those efficiencies. And before the pandemic, they would have never thought about partnering with someone in Chicago. You know, we're talking, you know, this we're a plane trip away. But now because, you know, really from a technological standpoint, there were no barriers in place to operating in that, in that fashion. But there were just, it was more so a comfort level. And now as a result of the pandemic, business is being transacted across the country and and this is becoming the norm so we to be honest we've experienced a substantial increase in the amount of um, international clients or I should say na national clients that we've that we've uh, onboarded as a result of the pandemic so we have clients in Chicago primarily as I mean that's my home city that's you know those are my stomping grounds so I never forget about my Chicago folks but California now New York we get Boston Florida all over the place. So it really is a scenario where if the things that we look for and the things that we think make a really good pairing between our company and law and other law firms is they're looking to embrace technology. They realize that technology implemented properly will allow them to accomplish their business objectives easier and allow them to do it at a, at a profitability level higher than if technology were not used. Those are the only factors we look at from a cultural standpoint. I mean, not being a jerk is a great thing. So, <laughs> so we, we, you know, we, we have a pretty, uh, you know, part of our initial conversations, it's all, it's similar to what we're doing here. We're just chatting about culture and how does your team operate? We're a big EOS based organization. So for your uh, traction, uh, you know, individuals who, who are familiar with the book traction, we're based on EOS. That's the, the operating system that we use to run the business. So. You know, a lot of law firms out there actually embrace that method as well, which makes it really easy to communicate and understand the, the, the KPIs that we track and, you know, how we operate as a team. It makes it a really easy transition there. All right. So, Jay, I'm going to ask you to think about three big takeaways from our conversation today. Three big takeaways from our conversation, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. I want to remind people that... Our show is brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. So if you're a family law attorney and you're looking to dig into the financials of 
the people on the other side of the table from you in any family law situation. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors can help you because they're great at forensic accounting. They also help with business valuation. Of course, they do litigation support and risk management. They're also focused on minimizing your tax exposure if you're a business owner. So you need to reach out to Sandrowski Corporate Advisors today if you're involved in the business of law or the practice of law in any way. Their phone number is 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. And also remember my free gift to you for watching and listening, the Revenue Roadmap Guide. Go to revenueroadmapguide.com, enter your contact information there, and you'll be able to download a free business development plan that will help you grow your book of business, help you build your practice quickly. All right, Jay, what are the three big takeaways from our conversation that you want people to remember? All right, number one, relationship building is critical to business building. Be authentic, be vulnerable, and listen when you're talking with your prospects and your referral partners. Number two, gain a unique perspective in your field, whatever that means. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to focus on one particular vertical. That's the route we've chosen but gain a unique perspective. You need, a, you need the right to win. And by that I mean when you go into a scenario with another company and you're up against 10 other companies, what makes you unique, what makes you special, what gives you the right to win in that case? So in our case, being specific to law firms, understanding their challenges. And number three, let's not forget, all work with no play is a recipe for disaster. Have fun while you're doing it, love what you do, bring that authenticity, it'll show to others and it will make you in a source of power, inspiration, where others will just want to surround themselves with your presence. That's what I got. All right, Jay, huge amount of value in the last 50 minutes. My my friend, my partner, my buddy for this show was Jay McAllister, the founder of Paragon Tech. You need to reach out to Jay right now. Call him at 815-556-1145, 815-556-1145. His contact information is down in the show notes. I'm telling you, he has a huge amount of value to provide to you and your business well beyond technology. As you can see, he's a really sharp entrepreneur and a fantastic guy. Jay, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It was a privilege having you. Folks, that'll do it for another edition of the Inside BS Show. I'll see you back here again tomorrow. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.